Hello, welcome to the I Love Being a Girl podcast with your host, Sharnissa Washington. Hi there, friends. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Sharnissa Washington, and I am just so honored that you all have tuned into this podcast today. As some of you know, I recently relocated from Atlanta, Georgia to the beautiful Middle East. And every day it has been 110, 105, 102 degrees. And then I have to walk into a very cold building. So you may hear a little raspiness in my voice because I'm really trying so very hard not to get sick. But going from literally 100 degree weather inside a building that is all about 68 degrees every day, a girl is almost destined to get sick. I hope y'all praying for me because I don't know about you, but I am praying for you. I am always praying for those who are connected to me and those who are supposed to be connected to me because I just believe that we're supposed to be connected, right? So in episode two, I am sharing with you all my story, um, my story from childhood. I'm going to be very uh, transparent and feel free, please, 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 to inbox me with questions and comments and concerns because I want to share my story with you from childhood molestation to how I have evolved over the years. And if we be honest, evolving is not easy at times. It can be very uncomfortable. It can be very unsettling. But it's very much needed. We only grow when we evolve. So I'm so excited to share my story about evolving. And for those of you that can relate, I believe the best is yet to come. (laughs) I was seven years old when I first encountered sexual abuse. Statistics says that one out of every two girls will be sexually molested. And the truth is, a lot of young ladies, a lot of girls, they never share it. There's always shame that is associated with sexual abuse. And I was that little girl. At seven years old, I was very reserved, very quiet, somewhat shy. And I just felt that it would be embarrassing for me to share the story because I felt that I was to blame. So at seven years old, I kept my mouth quiet. And because I kept my mouth quiet, I was actually sexually molested for five years, from seven to 12 years old. And when some girls become very promiscuous and wanting to try different things, I actually became the opposite. Um, I engulfed myself in poetry, in music, in academics. I literally excelled at the top of my class for several years in school because I didn't have an outlet. So my only outlet was school. I remember being 12 years old and because I was sexually molested, I had now begun to carry a lot of hurt. My parents entrusted me with certain family members or certain friends when they used to just, you know, watch me while they worked or while they vacationed. So for me to 
be sexually molested, now I felt the shame and the hurt. And that made me, as a little girl, a little angry. I, I, I can tell at 12 years old I was beginning to be very irritable and, and very angry because of everything that I bottle inside. God has a way of doing things. My mom became sick when I was 12, and she decided I'm going to start going to church. And I, like most children, thought, well, I'm going to start going to church with my mother. And so by my 13th birthday, I found myself inside of a church that was like a church I've never been to before. I heard this amazing music of worship. I heard people singing and I saw people clapping and the music was amazing. And I felt a presence like I've never felt before. I felt like this angry, hurt little girl was being hugged, was being loved on. And I knew sitting in that service, by this time I'm 13 years old, I knew whatever feeling that I felt, I wanted that for the rest of my life. It was kind of like capturing something in a bottle. Well, I made the decision that day. I remember the pastor saying, if you want to give your life to God, come to the altar. First of all, I didn't even know what the word altar meant. I didn't know what it meant to give your life to God. I thought just knowing God was giving your life to God. But it was very clear at 13 that giving your life to God meant that you had this relationship with this true and this living God. And there I was, 13 years old. I remember walking up to the altar, and in my mind I'm saying, I want this. Whatever this feeling is, whatever whatever this experience is, I want to experience this all the time. This love that I feel, I want this. And at 13 years old, I did. I gave my life to Jesus. I gave my life to Jesus, and I found myself working in ministry very, very early. By 14, I was teaching youth Bible study because I was like a Bible junkie. Every message that my pastor preached, I wrote it down. Every message. I had so many sermons and books. I remember reading my Bible every day. I was so in love with this Jesus that I met that I wanted to know as much information about him as I could. So if someone was teaching, I was writing. If someone was fasting, and I was 13, 14 years old, I was fasting. If someone was coming to, going to prayer, I was like, call me, call me, pick me up. I want to go too. And I just remember, you know, by 14, everything that I had inside of me, I wanted to give to the smaller children. So I was teaching Bible study. Um, by 16 years old, I started evangelizing. Yes, I was a 16-year-old evangelist. I would walk through my community, and I would invite girls to my house for a Bible study. I held, uh, in the 90s, a small group Bible study in my house for almost two years. <laughs> it's, it's very funny now that I think about it because I didn't know anything about small groups. I didn't know anything about home Bible studies. I just knew, I knew Jesus and I wanted other people to know about him. Um, so I would invite my friends that lived in my community or, or my neighbor's children to my house and I would serve them apples and I would serve them raisins. And we would talk about Jesus. We would talk about God. We would talk about what it meant to be a young lady and what it meant to be a girl and what was going on in school. And for two years, I poured myself into those studies. And I know, 
I know for sure that that was the time that I was being shaped to be a minister, a preacher, an evangelist. I knew that was my time. And and at 18 years old, I got the call, Charnissa, you have to preach. Now, no one in my family, from what I know, is a preacher. I did my research. No one was a preacher, not my father, not my mother, not my grandparents. Uh, but I knew at 18 I had this call to preach. And I remember going to my pastor and saying, I have to preach. God called me to preach. And he said, did the Lord say it's time? I said, no, he didn't say it's time, but he told me I would preach. Yeah, I was that crazy. I was crazy enough to hear God say, you're going to preach. But he didn't say start then. So at 18 years old, I kept working in ministry. I was teaching now. I was leading praise service. I was directing the choir. I was uh, being an assistant to my pastor whenever he preached and his wife went along. I served along them. Everything that I can find my hands doing in ministry, I did it. And I did it faithfully for years, even down to cleaning toilets and vacuuming floors and serving in the kitchen, whatever my hands could do in ministry, I found myself doing. And I absolutely enjoyed my journey. God told me in my late 20s, you're going to have to leave home. I left my hometown in Milwaukee and I relocated to Nashville, Tennessee. Nashville was an awesome experience. I love Nashville because Nashville helped cultivate my gifts. Nashville helped me evolve into a woman that can overcome different circumstances. I will be very honest to tell you that during my transition to Nashville, right when our stock markets crashed and our 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 whole financial system in the United States had shifted. I went through a period where I really lost everything I had, all of my investments, uh, my properties, everything. And through all of that, I had to trust God. And I'm going to be very honest. I cried, and I wanted to move back to Milwaukee. I wanted a safe place. I wanted to be around people that could help me. And the Lord said, no, you have to go through this. You have to lean on me like never before. And that's what Nashville, it really did something amazing for me. I was with an amazing ministry. And by this time, I'm preaching in different cities. I'm preaching in different states. By this time, I'm traveling. I traveled to Europe. I traveled to Central America. The ministry, how I knew it, was expanding. I formed a women's group called Welly, which is women evolving, living, learning, and yielding to God. I had prayer meetings. I was doing evangelism. And at the same time, I was ministering to women through my Save Girls Rock ministry. Ministry for me had really become busy, busy, busy to the point of me now starting to feel the pressure of serving in my local church, but also serving in my own ministry, being my own leader. And I loved it. I loved that God had called me to a platform and to a platform that will encourage, empower, and embrace people. And I was very content with where I was. And here I was being okay in Nashville. I loved my church. I love what I did in my church. I love what I did for my personal ministry. And you know, God is so amazing because just when you feel like you understand something and you're okay, 
he will call you to something else. And he did. I remember sitting in the choir stand and 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 I was saying, God, I'm okay. I'm okay living in Nashville. I can stay here for the rest of my life. I had said that for a few days now and I was sitting in the choir stand and the spirit speaks to me and says, Sharnissa, there's somebody waiting on you in Atlanta. First of all, I'm I'm completely overwhelmed because I knew that I wanted to stay in Nashville. As a matter of fact, I didn't want to leave Nashville. Even at God telling me, there's someone waiting on you in Atlanta. I was okay with Nashville. Within several months, I was obedient to God, obedient to the instructions, and I packed it up and I left. Now, this is when my life really began to change. Because for me, Nashville was a nice community, almost like a small community of people who loved each other and helped each other. And then I go to Atlanta, and Atlanta seems like a humongous forest where some people don't know each other, where collaboration is not really for friendship and helping, but more let's get ahead. That's my perspective. And I'm not saying that it's right, but that's how I looked at moving to Atlanta. A small town girl from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Nashville, Tennessee, to humongous Atlanta. I literally felt lost. God, why would you send me here? Who needs me? What do they want? And why am I feeling like I am in a place lost, Jesus? I pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed in Atlanta. But Atlanta was bigger than I thought. I found myself in a place now where I was losing my identity. Yeah, I don't know if anyone's ever experienced that, but some transitions will cause you to flourish and some transitions will cause you to, at times, feel like you're dis, um, diminishing. And that's where I was. I felt very small, I felt very little. And I remember praying to God and saying, God, what am I doing? And I heard the Spirit of the Lord tell me, Sharnissa, the enemy, he is after you. He wants you to lose who you are. It was then time for me to do something that was very different. It was time for me to see God like never before. For a minute, I shut down everything. I shut down my boutique, my Save Girls Rock, I'm the Welly Group. I shut everything down because I needed to hear the direction that God was taking me into. Because for me, it was a drastic change. Drastic change. Me living in Atlanta was very different. But at the same time, me living in Atlanta was me really experiencing hurt and experiencing painful relationships that I've never experienced before. It's, it's different. It's different when you go through something that you don't expect. And I was there. I didn't expect some of the trials that I had to experience while living in Atlanta. But at the end, I knew that they were going to teach me a lesson in ministry 
that you can that I can only be taught by actually going through. That's a word for somebody. You know, you can hear stories from people all the time and people can give you advice and I understand that and it's good, I accept that. But a lot of times the Lord will put us through things literally so that we can experience it for ourselves and so that we can experience it for the next level that God is calling us to. That's what Atlanta did for me. Atlanta put me through some different type of trials <laughs> that I felt that will prepare me for ministry in a different way. After I shut everything down, I wanted to hear God. I wanted to not operate in my emotions. And I wanted to be clear about the direction I was going in. I did some research, right? I did research on Save Girls Rock, who had the name, Willie Group, who had the name, who had the name, and legally, some people had the name. And I wanted to be real about ministry, and I wanted to legalize it, so that is where I came up with the I Love Being a Girl group. I came up with the name because during the time when I shut everything down, I had to find out that I really do love myself. No matter how people talked about me or how people felt, no matter about the criticism that I received during the season, and I wanted to shut some people down. And the Lord said, nope, you can't say anything. And though my self-esteem was to the ground and I fought for my identity and my self-esteem and my confidence, I literally had to keep telling myself, I love being a girl. I had to tell myself, I love you, Sharnissa. And I know some of you may like, she's a powerful preacher, and, and, and I've heard her minister before, and she seems like she maybe don't go through confidence issues. But baby, when somebody puts you down, and you don't know how to retaliate or how to shake it off, and all you hear over and over again is the words that they deposited into your spirit, you can feel low and I was there I never was a person that wrote affirmations y'all but listen I had to write affirmations to myself to pick myself up and when I found out that yep I love Sharnissa I love being a girl I love God I love how God made me I love the direction that I'm going through I knew this is the name that I need to brand and I don't love being a girl just because we have weave and we have hair and we have nails and we have lashes and we dress nice. I love being a girl because I love being the girl that God made me. And so that is where I get the I Love Being a Girl podcast. And on this podcast, I want to speak very, very, very openly about so many issues that women go through. I'm talking about women who, who have statuses, women who have platforms, women who are called to ministry, women who, who are raising children. I'm talking about women who are leaders in ministry, women who are presidents of organizations. These are the women that I want to talk to. I want to talk to women like you. And let me encourage you. Evolving hurts. But evolving is worth it. I'm not sure in what direction God is taking me in my next season. But I am sure that this time I'm listening 
And this time, I will not be moved by the words of people. Yeah. I won't. Thank you for joining the I Love Being a Girl podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and tell a friend. Hello there, friends, and welcome to episode three of the I Love Being a Girl podcast. I'm your host, Sharnissa Washington, and I'm so glad that you all have taken time to tune into episode three. Thank you for your patience so very much. Um, The last couple weeks, I have been quiet on social media, uh, quiet when it comes to podcasting because I had some issues with Wi-Fi. It was like a hit or miss here in the Middle East. That's the thing with living in another country. You have to get accustomed to how they use technology and the norms of using technology. And of course, the ups and downs. So I'm back and I'm, I'm really excited. I've been so excited to connect to my family and friends that I get to keep in contact with via social media. So thank you so much. You all just don't know how much that means to me that I can log in and talk to you and chat and like your pictures and all that good stuff because I'm so far away from home. And to be honest, I've been missing my family and friends, like missing I don't know about you, but I thrive on relationships. Yeah, I'm that person, Um, an introvert that thrive on relationships, right? Um, But I think that's anyone, but I thrive on relationships. So I've been really missing that that, um, one-on-one time, those chats, those worship services, those lunches, um, all of that great stuff. So I'm glad to be connected with you all now. I hope you all been doing good. I hope so. I've been doing pretty well Um, here in the Middle East. We've been experiencing rainstorms and sandstorms. Um, It was sandstorms last week, like almost every other day, it seemed like, which is the reason I have a raspy voice, um, just because of the weather changes in the sandstorms. And then within the last couple of weeks, it's been a rainstorm. So raining twice a week or maybe three times a week. And lately it's been three, four days in a row. So we've been experiencing flooding, very severe flooding in different areas. Um, but otherwise, I've been okay. And I hope you all have been amazing and okay and great and wonderful on your end. I know all of us are going to do different things privately. And I say this and I really mean it. I'm really praying for you. Um, one thing that I've learned is on a private level, we can experience so many things that we never share publicly. Uh, we know how to mask it. We have social media where we can put filters on things or post what we choose. Um, but privately, many of us have struggles. We have pain. Um, we are fighting demons. Uh, we are literally in wars. We are fighting through depression. Um, some of us are going through marital problems, maybe poor relationships, bad attitudes, suffering in our health. Um, there's so many things that people have going on, but I'm standing in agreement with you and I'm praying that God just be a mighty deliverer and pray with me also. Um, 
I was in prayer the other day and I was calling out what I needed Jesus to be. I mean, I was praying and I was like, God, I know you to be a mighty deliverer. Be a mighty deliverer, God. Be be a strong tower, Lord God. Deliver. Send a breakthrough. Send healing. Send peace. And I mean, I was so praying that for myself and for other people. And I'm just in agreement with you that God will continue to show us some strong and, and that we will stand and have the faith in Jesus like never before. I, I really feel like um, we have come to a place in our society where we have become dependent on what we can do. We have become dependent on our skills, our abilities, and and, and we have become dependent on um, our money, our funds. And then God puts you in the place and you can't depend on any of those things. You know, sometimes God has to put some people in that place where you can't depend on any of those things. You have to solely depend on him. And and in that hour, may we, if we're there, if, if we're there in that hour where we're like, God, you know, you're, my back is against the wall. I hit rock bottom. I just pray that we would just continue to put all of our trust in Jesus. Like we can't figure it out. We're not that talented. We're not that skilled. We're not that smart, but we have a God who is all powerful. He knows all things. He is all knowing. He is omnipotent. He is omnipresent. And when we cannot find a way to figure things out or to get ourselves out of positions, he has the power to do that. And I'm just praying that we would continue to put our total trust in God. Not some trust, but total trust, depending on him for everything, for everything. I mean, every single detail about our life. May we really put our trust in Jesus. And and, and I love how the scripture says, um, Proverbs 3 and, and 5 and 6. I remember this growing up as a little girl. It says, um, um, putting all of our trust in God. You know, in the scripture is so it's so powerful that scripture because it reminds us that we cannot trust in our own abilities, but we can only trust in God. You know, we can be smart, sure, we can have a plan, but how many of y'all can truly say my plan has folded? My plan did not work. My plan did not turn out the way I want it to be. But but um, Proverbs 3 and 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean out into your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. And if you're on a cricket path right now, I'm just praying that we will just and I, I say when I say we I'm putting myself in it. Um, because no matter how long you've been saved, you have to continue to trust in God. So we is me and you. But if we're on a cricket path, I pray that we put our trust in God, acknowledge him in all our ways and, and, and trust him with all our heart. I love how that scripture says, trusting God with your heart, because, you know, when you do something, you always want to do it out of your heart. Like, wow, they put their heart into that. Wow, they put they they heart into that performance or they heart into that message or or their heart into that speech or their heart into that dance. You know, when you put your heart in something, you're giving it your all. And look how the scripture says that trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in him with all your being. Put everything into God. And I know that's a lot. You know, it's kind of that old phrase that says, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Uh, but when it comes to God, and this is a lot for some of us, we have to put all of our eggs in a basket. 
and say, God, I am trusting you with this entire situation in my life. And, and, and that's a lot of faith because when you put your eggs in the basket, when it comes to Jesus, you are completely taking your hands off of, off of it. Whatever situation it is, you're taking your hands off of it and you're saying, God, I am allowing you to be in total control of it. And that means at times walking away, at times it may look bleary, like you don't understand what's going on and you want to fix it. But when you trust in the Lord with all your heart and when it looks bleary to you, to God, he's like, I already have this plan now. I already have the end already worked out. I already know what I am going to do and, and I'm going to do it in your favor, child. So go ahead. Oh my gosh, my sisters and my brothers, let's put all of our eggs, all of our heart, all of our trust in Jesus Christ and, and just trust him and believe that he is going to work out a thing for you. Amen. 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 Um, I'm so excited. Um, I gave my word first on this podcast, um, but this podcast is actually something that um, struck a nerve in me <clears throat> over the past couple weeks um, as I'm just dealing with getting my voice together from the cold that I have and just change of weather. Um, but something had really I really impressed me over the past couple of weeks and it was a place of, um, isolation. All right. Um, isolation. So every Christian will have to go through a season where you have to be isolated. You literally have to step back from people, um, which means sometimes relationships may be silent and may be quiet. Um, that means some of your endeavors may have, have to be put on pause, because you go into a place of isolation. Well, I was reading a uh, a blog from um, a very prominent uh, evangelist, and her blog was saying, "It is in isolation; it is a dark place that God makes us." Um, and isolation cannot be a bad thing. Like, like it it doesn't mean a bad thing. You know, years ago when when portraits used to <clears throat> be developed, they had to go into a dark room and. And in the dark room, you would just put up these portraits, these pictures, these photographs, and they will be developed. And as time went on and you bring them out, you have this beautiful photo. But it had to be done in dark. It had to be done in an isolated place. And I just think now how, um, you know, God has to isolate us. I mean, literally put us in a place where... Um, People may not really hear us. People may not really see you. You may not have, um, quote unquote, so much value. You you may be in a place where you like, God is like your BFF because you can't talk and text to anyone because he has you in a quiet, secret place. And isolation is a great place to be developed because in isolation, you learn about yourself. Something else that I learned about in isolation, you really find out who your friends are. Now, I'm not boasting. I'm no way complaining at all. But being thousands of miles away have allowed me to really see who I'm truly connected with and who's connected to me because of possibly what I'm always doing. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Um, because when you're isolated, certain only certain people who really connected to you, who really... I don't want to say love you, but yeah, love you. Those are the people that's going to reach out to you. Not the people that's just trying to be connected to you because you got a name or you got money or you got it going on. But I'm talking about when you are just like, 
And, and I'm not saying I'm in a place of isolation, but I know that I'm thousands of miles away from home and I know who is connected to me and who has my interest in mind. I'll say that on the safe side. But I will say that that in isolation, when it comes to being in that place spiritually, because right now I'm just talking about naturally, but let's get back to spiritually. But spiritually, isolation is a time for you to really know who you are in God. It is a place of literally self-discovery. You know, if you want to really find out what are your demons, if you really want to find out what makes you tick, if you really want to find out what it is that takes you to a place of happiness and joy and contentment, if you want to find out what it is that you, what's really the thing that you value the most in your life and what gets most of your time, allow God to isolate you. Because is it isolation that you begin to see all the ugly and all the good about yourself? And that's not a bad place. Because when God shows you these things, you can then go back to God and say, God, now can you work on that? You know, I'm 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 dealing with this. I've saw that I've discovered this about myself, Jesus. Work on that, God. You know, you begin to say, you begin to think about how you treat people, how you love people, um, what is your true what are your true desires? You know, you begin to really see your fears. It's so many things that can happen in isolation that brings you to a place that you really see you. Not the you that you maybe portray in front of family and friends, you know, not the persona, not the you that you may post on social media, but the you behind closed doors, the you that is developed in the dark. You know, when pictures are being developed, sometimes they have um, smudges or sometimes they didn't turn out right and they have to destroy them. They didn't work. They in a dark place. They didn't develop. No, it, it, it was some of them that the light hit them and they just they messed up. They messed up. But but in the dark, <laughs> when you see the things, there's always a little light. I like that about it. I like that about it. I like that there's there's a little light to see. Is this working? And my sisters and my brothers, God has you in a dark place. But listen, he is shining some light on you. He is showing you you. And during this time of isolation and during this time where you feel like I'm by myself, you are not. You are being developed. You are being developed to be the best version of you, the best Christian that you can be, someone that looks like God. And so what if you see your, your, your flaws? So what if you see face-to-face the things that you struggle with? So what? It was meant to be brought up now. You know, I was, I was in a place with God, and I was literally going through some self-discovery. And you're never too old for that. I love that. Like, it's not an age on that. Like, oh, they should be, so, you know, they should have been found that out in their younger age. Well, sometimes people take a while. You know, you don't get it really early, so you get it later. Um, and in side note, women, after they turn 35, they go through another period of their life and they go into another place of self-discovery. I don't know what it is, but I've been doing a lot of reading and it's true. You go through another phase of your life. So I was, I'm that woman that went through another phase, which is fine. If evolution is great. Um, but to get back to what I was talking about. You know, when you get to self-discovery, and it's never, 
it's never you're never too old to get there. But when you get there, it's great because you can work on that part of you now. You know, it's great to learn it earlier than later. Because if if you learn about it now and begin to allow God to work on whatever that is that's going on in your life, you're setting yourself up for greater possibilities. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that great? Like, yeah, let God work on that now so that you can be open to whatever he needs you to be open to. But before he can open up anything, he needs to get that part of you in order. Let him isolate you. Don't be so quick to have a lot of people around you. It's okay. You know, I know sometimes you're like, oh gosh, I need friends. I need people. I'm I'm tired of being by myself. I get it. Trust me. My hand is in the air saying, that's me. That's me. But during that, during the time of isolation, I'm also like, okay, God, I see what you're doing. Do your good work. The Lord reminded me in prayer this week about um, Jeremiah with the potter and the clay. And in my prayer time, I was reminded how that potter, he kept working on that clay until he got it exactly the way he needed it. And it was marred in his hand and, and he had to destroy it and he put it back on the wheel until he had that clay until he formed that clay exactly how he needed it to be. And finally, when it was there, it was beautiful. When it was where he needed it to be, it was a beautiful, beautiful vessel. That's some of us. We are indeed on the potter's wheel. Allow God to shape you the way that he wants to shape you so that you can be a beautiful vessel that is meat for the master's use. And what he told Jeremiah, he said, The way the clay is in the potter's hand, that is the way that you are in my hand. My dear brothers and sisters, as you are in the Lord's hand, may you be developed. May isolation be one of your greatest points of self-discovery to be a great man and woman of God. And may you be shaped to be a vessel of use. God is not through with you yet. Continue to be blessed into episode four. I'll meet you all again. Share with a friend and thanks for tuning into the I Love Being a Girl podcast. I'm your host, Sharnessa Washington. Be blessed. Love y'all.